the latest edition of The Watchers. I'm Terence Marshman-Edwards. I'm Rhys Jones. And I'm Matthew Ford. And today we're talking about video game movies. Woohoo! Cue sound effects. (laughs) It's safe to say, when it comes to video game movies, the quality of them is somewhat variable. Would you agree, gents? That's politely we put it. Very generous. Yeah. <laughs> Before we start talking about them, I think there, there is an inherent issue within video game movies for me personally. And that is the fact that it takes an active activity where you are, you are in control, you are actively engaging. And that's taken away in a film and you, you sit there and you watch. So it goes from active to passive. And I think that's where a lot of the issues lie. But we'll see what comes out of this conversation. I believe, Matthew, you will, you're going first, aren't you? Because <laughs> if I don't mention this film, I reckon someone will. Why this film wasn't in my Guilty Pleasures chat, I don't know why I missed this. It is 1994's Street Fighter the Movie. Bam, bam, bam! Let's go. I'm going to kick Bison's ass. I don't think so. You have to do better than that. Okay. Yeah! Now, who wants to go home and who wants to go with me? Directed by Steven D'Souza, and if you don't recognize that name, you will know his work because this is the guy who gave us Die Hard and Die Hard 2. <laughs> has written other scripts, he's written Beverly Hills Cop 3, The Flintstones, and also Stallone's Judge Dredd. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move swiftly on, we won't, mention, we won't talk too much about them. So, basically, diminishing returns on his career, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what what saves this film for me is Raul Julia as um, General M. Bison. His performance is tongue in cheek, it's scene chewing, and, and you can tell he just relishes every second he's on screen. And I'm going to stick my neck out. He delivers, for me, one of the best lines in film ever, 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 ever. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. (laughs) That bitch is so sad. Absolutely. And I just say so much about Julia that when asked why he took the role, he said um, he did it for his children. It's a love letter for his, to his children who were massive fans of the video games at the time. Street Fighter, it's it's a Christmas pantomime up there on the big screen. Oh, and no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I, for one, I love it, mostly because of Raul Julia, and it's he, he makes an absolutely badass villain. And it, for me, it's it's Batman and Robin. It's the same thing with Batman and Robin in the sense that this film is so calm and just so what the hell. I love it. Absolutely love this film. 
For me though, Batman and Robin, to take a step back, you look at it and you go, okay, this is a big budget movie version of the 1960s TV show. You kind of forgive it and you go with it, you enjoy it. For me, mate, Street Fighter, I I enjoy Street Fighter for the same reason you, but for me, Street Fighter is one of those examples of a film that isn't that bad, but it's actually enjoyable to watch just because it's like watching a car crash. It's just awful. Absolutely awful. I mean, the film has, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Kylie Minogue. I mean, and she doesn't do the soundtrack, which is blasphemous. I mean, this film would be a hundred times better if she was waddling around singing something campy as well. I mean, that... (laughs) That's the only way the film could be any more camp. (laughs) Kylie was singing the soundtrack. I mean, D'Souza had his work cut out from the point of view that Capcom... I think I'm right in saying they wanted pretty much every character from the video games in that film. Yes, they did. I mean, let's be honest, there was action figures out at the time. They they were pushing everything massively. I mean, this this was a couple of years after the Batmania of 1989 where, you know, merchandise went even bigger than Star Wars. It went insane. I mean, come on, this is a film that's based on a video game and had a video game of the movie of the video game come out. Which just blows your mind, doesn't it? Pop! That's that's some inception level. <laughs> that's some inception <laughs> level <laughs> shit, right? Well, yeah. Leave that there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Tess, what have you got for us? Well, I don't think you can have any conversation about video game movies without mentioning this next film. Because it was the first, it was the original. Normally that's the kind of place where you say the original and best, but uh no. No, this is not a good film, but it is an important one. And of course, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it is, of course, 1993's Super Mario Brothers. They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite. It's incredible! That gives anyone who possesses it the power to rule the universe. Get me the rock! must rescue the princess. Luigi! Alien species escaping. And make it safely back. Later. Alligator. To our world. Are you alright? Before time runs out. Brothers, this ain't no game. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. I will skip over a lot of the finer details of the horrendous pre-production and production of the film. Because I've written a blog post about it, so... uh, it goes into much more detail than, than I would want to go here. The The headlines of it are, you have a directing team, a husband and wife, whose previous credits were Max Headroom and a very lesser Dennis Quaid film in charge of a multi-million dollar budget. You have a script that had nine writers on it at various Ouch. points. <laughs> Here's the kicker. 
one script version done by Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, who those are names that listeners will recognise as being the writers of things like Porridge and Whatever Happens to the Likely Lads. They did a draft of the script, which was sophisticated, probably slightly more adult than a video game movie based at, you know, kind of under 10s should be. This was the script that was shown to Bob Hoskins and to Fiona Shaw and actually secured their participation in the film. Now, unbeknownst to the cast, the crew, and more importantly, the directors, the producers had the script rewritten to make it much more family friendly, reduce the amount of major effects in it due to to budgetary requirements. And the first that, that any of the cast or crew knew about this was when they turned up to start filming. That's a great way to start making a film. I mean, that's obviously a bit, 101. Yeah. How to, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. The producers were, too, were concerned that the pendulum had swung too far the other way, got the script rewritten without the director's knowledge until they were ready to shoot. There's a story which I have to tell you this because it's just so mind-blowing. One of the directors, Rocky Morton, had storyboarded virtually the entire film based on the script that they were working on. All of that work was for nothing. Apparently he even took the storyboards outside and burnt them. So when you have such an absolute epic, and you know, I can't think of any other word to describe it other than clusterfuck. You can kind of now understand why the film is such a mess. That said, there are two things about this film that I think save it. From There's no the, sequel? From the, oh, sorry, three. Three. <laughs> two things that, for me, I like about the film. One is that, bearing in mind this is the first time that they'd ever tried to adapt a video game to film, some of the visual effects and some of the the whole worlds that they create in there are pretty good. They're, they're interesting and they're well designed. I mean, it could be better, of course it could, but considering what they were working with, I think some of the some of the designs are pretty good. The animatronics on Yoshi so good that uh, people who were involved in the animatronics were almost poached to go and work on Jurassic Park. So that works. And the, the other thing that I think really does give the film a bit more kind of presence than, than it maybe deserves. It's the performances of the late, great Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as Mario and Luigi. You believe them as brothers. You believe them. You believe that relationship and you believe the care that's there. Shameless plug, go check out the blog and find out more about the absolute mess that was the making of this film. And you'll maybe have a, a slightly more sympathetic view of, of what's actually made it onto screen. Reese, over to you. Well, the first film I'm going to have to talk about kind of counterbalances Matt's first film, which was Street Fighter. There was two fighting franchise games of the 90s that you would play. And they, of course, were Street Fighter 2. And that's how you go about making a film badly from that kind of game. I mean, Tez, you, you spoke about how medium of film watching is passive and how about, you know, you're interactive when you're doing your gaming. Well, for me, yeah, it's hard to transfer them over to one media to the other, but it all depends on what storyline of the game is in the first place. If you've got a point A to B storyline, then it's going to be fine to put together on a screen. 
Mm. And that's where they went wrong with Street Fighter, how they got things right in Mortal Kombat. You can't run from me, Sam! I don't need to run! Street Fighter have both got like 10 or 12 characters you can choose to play. You can be a good guy, you can be a bad guy. They've all got their subplots, they've all got their cutscenes, they've all got these various plot lines going on. And it just became an absolute hypocrite with the mess of a film, which was Street Fighter. But no, Mortal Kombat in 1995 got it right, and it got it right by simply doing it the simple way. It was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit more about later on, especially in this program. But Mortal Kombat kept it simple. It didn't reinvent the characters of the world of the game, it just simply retold the story from the cutscenes of the game. I mean, let's be honest, the plot of the game is almost impossible to screw up. It's a bunch of fighters convened to an otherworldly location and battle for the fate of the world. To the death, I might add, it's a Mortal Kombat, don't you know? It's not combat you can't tap out <laughs> you can't tap out no tapping out they're not in this pentagon i mean it doesn't have to be more complicated than that you know also numerous classic kung fu films are built on the idea of an ultimate fighting tournament and this film is an ultimate fighting tournament kung fu movie with a twist of sci-fi and a bit of fantasy it literally takes the favorite characters from the game and concentrates on them. It takes the favourite villains of the game and concentrates on them. It doesn't overpopulate it too much, but I mean, oh, seeing Sub-Zero and Scorpion come to life on screen was just mind-blowing. Get over here! Just epic. I mean, yes, right. In no way am I saying this is the second coming of cinema. You know, this is <laughs> not... This is not amazing filmmaking. It is what it is. You know, the film is cheap. It's very cheap. It basically looks like it's like reusing and rehashing sets from the Power Rangers. It's it's that level of cheap, you know. But you know, it's it's cheerful in a weird way. It's kind of like fun to watch, you know. It's not that bad. It's good. It's just good at being bad. It's it just is what it is. None of the cast are going to win Oscars, let's be honest. And you know, it's a join the dots plot line from fight scene to the next. But it doesn't matter because you're along for the ride. It is what it is. It's a modern martial arts action film based on a game franchise. That's it. I mean, on top of that, you have a ridiculously catchy theme tune. Cue clip. <laughs> is a theme tune is 90s rave and they say the words Mortal Kombat over and over again but somehow you're dancing and jigging along going kick his ass mopo I mean come on this film has Christopher Lambert playing a god it's the guy who was Highlander playing a god I mean it's just brilliant also Kari Hiroki Tekoa was born to say flawless victory flawless
Yeah, Mortal Kombat, bitches. Matt, buddy, <laughs> what have you got next for us to have a chat about? Okay, it's another Paul Anderson film. This one, 2002. It is the first of the Resident Evil franchise. Boom, 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 boom. She isn't standing now. I did expect that to get mentioned by one of you. So <laughs> it's on my list. Uh, <laughs> notice that I say the first film and none of the sequels. The die-hard Resident Evil fans who play the video games Oh, they hate the Resident Evil films. But what they forget, and especially with the first film, is that this is an adaptation of a video game with little to no plot and voice acting so bad you genuinely thought one of the characters in the game was a sex pest. <laughs> True story. And when you look at it like that, this film is a certified success. No one in that first film has any personality or character development, but that's okay because they exist solely to be killed off. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the plot is basic. It's by the numbers horror, but somehow it works. It's, it's fun. And to be, to be fair, it's Citizen Kane compared to the sequels. People forget. The first film, it's tense. The pace never slows down for a minute. Although personally, I reckon that's because Paul Anderson knows knows that there is no plot to this film. He's throwing everything at the screen to try and distract you. It's and it also people forget it's got a ridiculously over the top score, which is co-written by none other than Marilyn Manson. Yeah. <laughs> George Romero wrote a screenplay for the Resident Evil video game adaptation, but it was turned down by the studio. No. But apparently, yeah, and he, it makes you think, what would that film have been like if George Romero had been at the helm? Well, I mean, the but version I we've got is pretty much like George Romero on acid. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but... Personally, for me, Resident, the first Resident Evil is up there in terms of video game adaptations. I've, I love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, the film delivers for me. I mean, it gives you scares, action, downright creative ways for people to die, including, I might add, a human cued by a laser net and hellhounds. Yes. Yes. It, I mean, it ticks all the boxes, really. Right, that's my rant with Resident Evil. Tez, what have you got up your sleeve? I did, when I when I looked through the list of video game movies and I looked at ones I could potentially talk about, it, slim pickings, fr frankly, but I did mm. find one that I'd not 
completely forgotten about, but it's been quite a while since I've seen it. And that is the 2001 Lara Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Is Lara Croft. Lara Croft. Time to save the universe? Absolutely. Tomb Raider. Angelina Jolie in the lead. Directed by Simon West, who had previously directed Connie and then went on to direct The Mechanic and Expendables too. So this kind of, he bucks the trend, really, of people doing a video game movie and then never really working again, which has happened quite a bit already. What can I say about the film? Some of the action sequences are very nicely, are nicely done, nicely choreographed. I, some of it does actually feel like the video game, which is kind of cool. I've got to say, Jolie's performance is pretty good because she actually makes Lara Croft actually have a personality because it's very easy for her not to because she's just you know a pair of large sized boobs yeah I mean that is how the first film is she she is just short shorts there's some nice interplay between her and Daniel Craig who plays Alex who is one of the mercenaries that, that goes with her there's also and this was there was a big thing made of this at the time they go back into Lara's family history and her father, Lord Richard Croft, is actually played by John Voight, who is Angelina Jolie's father. So people were very excited to see them in the same film. They only have one scene together, but it's actually fairly emotional when you do see the two of them square up. I mean, it could have been a film basically about how Lara kind of overcomes her daddy issues and then saves the world. Is it perfect? No. There's a lot to enjoy in Tomb Raider 2001. And I think as video game movies go, it's probably a one of the better adaptations that there is. That's me, Reese. your next one. Okay, I literally watched this film the other day with family. We've had Mario. Uh, for me, I didn't grow up playing Nintendo. I grew up playing Sega Master System and the Sega Game Gear on trips around the country on the back of a bus playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Stay in there and be quiet. How much longer? I can't breathe in here. Do you have your child in that bag? No. I mean, yes, it's a child, but it's not mine. It's not your child. Smells like body spraying an old ham sandwich. When a film about Sonic was first announced, I kind of thought to myself, how the hell are they going to do that and pull it off? I watched it with family. I wasn't expecting much in the film. And I've got to say, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, there was the turmoil for the fans. The turmoil. Uh, when <laughs> they re they uh, released the first trailer of the film and no one liked the design of, of Sonic. If you Google it, you can find the two side-by-side -side images and you can probably still find the original trailer. I was one of the oh, people that thought it looked awful. He wasn't Sonic. So, amazingly, after this outrage, they postponed the film, completely redid all the special effects shots in the entire film, and then released the film 
the start of this year just before Covid, so that was a really good plan. Sonic the Hedgehog the movie is a very simple film, you know? It's a film that follows the misadventure of Sonic as he navigates the complexities of life on Earth with his newfound human best friend, Tom, played by James Marsden. Sonic and Tom join forces to try and stop the villainous Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey, from capturing Sonic and using his immense powers for world domination. In a nutshell, yeah, it's Dr. Robotnik trying to take over Earth and Sonic's on Earth and he makes a human friend. It's it's your typical kind of Roger Rabbit, <laughs> clever animation movie <laughs> human. Sonic the character is brilliant. The effects are brilliant. It, what massively helps this film is James Marsden, who's used to doing CG massively. He's a great comedic actor and, and leading man. And also Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, again, as the villain. Yes, does he steal the show? He, he, he doesn't steal the show, but he massively improves the show. It is, it is what it is, you know, but it is a tour de force of how to make a video game movie. It's family film. It's funny, fast-paced, obviously, and doesn't destroy a character we all know and love to play. Matthew, your last choice, please. I don't actually like this film, but there are moments in this film that are great. It's a great start, Matt. I know. 2006 Silent Hill. To find your daughter, you must face the darkness of hell. It's okay, baby. Mommy's coming. When it's just the lead actress running around on her own, running away from monsters, the film is amazing. The minute anyone else turns up any other characters god it falls flat on its ass <laughs> it is literally all the dialogue is oh we need to find item a we need to go to this location it's straight out of the video games and you're just like you could literally take someone's dialogue from that film put it on a sheet of paper and go guess who said that and you'd be like not a clue genuinely not a clue why sean bean turned up to this film i've no idea actually no idea why he's in this film because he's better than this but anyway silent hill it has great moments there's 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 gore there's a couple of good scares it's got atmosphere but oh god no it's all it's about i want to say two and a half hours long and it really doesn't need to be it's got one of the longest exposition scenes it's like scooby-doo on acid where they you know they rip the mask off of who done it but it's honest to god it's about 15 20 minutes long yeah the only really good thing to say about silent hill is, is at least it's not as bad as the sequel that's the, the sequel with Jon snow from game of thrones wow god yeah i've seen silent say, hill movie once and i've seen the second one once i've never gone back i've uh, never seen the second one seen the first one enjoyed it for what it was but was kind of struggling to find quite where the silent hill part of it was coming because i was like i was watching it kind of going i kind of enjoy this but this doesn't really bear much in the way of resemblance to, to the game but no i haven't, I haven't bothered the second one and uh, from the sounds of things I'm, I'm doing myself a favor there's a reason why they haven't made a third because <laughs> no one will watch them or cares <laughs> no one plays the games anymore anyway do they 
There's meant to be a Silent Hill game coming out on PS5. Oh, really? My last choice, a bit like a bit like Matt, the, this isn't necessarily one that I would have, have put on my first rank, but I think as video game movies go, it's not bad. And it is last year's uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Pushing. My problem is that I push people away and then hate them for leaving. He's saying you can shove it. What? I can shove it? Okay, that's it. No, we're switching roles. I'm bad cop. You're good cop. No, 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 no we're not cops. In my head, I saw that differently. Oh, I haven't got around to watching that. Plot-wise, not much to it. Very, very by the numbers. What saves it is Ryan Reynolds as the voice of Pikachu. That's the only reason it is on this list. He is witty, he is quippy, he is... It's Deadpool uh, as a little yellow electric mouse, essentially, with less, with no swearing. There are some bits of the film that are interesting, because obviously when you see the designs of the Pokemon um, kind of in 3D, some of them uh, are quite well realised. Some of them really aren't. But that's the, uh, that's the nature of it. I really like how they have made Psyduck look, because that... Psyduck's one of my favourites. Some of the others, you look at them and you kind of go, really? That's what you've taken from this? Okay. I'm fairly certain that fans of the franchise and fans of Ryan Reynolds will find a lot to enjoy in this film. I liked it. It, it definitely passed the time and it's certainly one of the better video game movies. So, Reese, yours. Your final choice. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this platform about talking about video game movies and go a little bit left field. Ooh, I'm going like to state the case for a film that I think that was greatly overlooked in the cinema in 2015. It's technically not a film based on a video game. It's a film based on a number of classic retro titles from the 80s and smashed together. It's directed by Christopher Columbus, who directed Home Alone, who directed Harry Potter 1 and 2. It's from real pedigree. It's, it's also produced by Adam Sandler. It's probably the film that caused Adam Sandler to shift focus and end up on Netflix and have a much better career now <laughs> without the pressures that happened after this film. I'm talking about Pixels, the movie. May I introduce to you Professor Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man. Pac-Man is not bad. You'll see. Professor Iwatani, what are you doing? I will talk to him. He's my son. Hello, my sweet little boy. Look how big you've grown. It's so sweet. He's so sweet. I know. You're a good boy. Ah! Somebody annihilate this stupid thing! It's called Pixels the Movie for a very simple reason. It's based on a short film. That was a 2010 short film by Patrick Jean. Right, the film, if you don't know what the film is about, is about a time capsule that goes into a space. An alien race finds a time capsule. Within the time capsule is loads of arcade classics. Games such as Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Arkanoid, Galaga, Centipede, and Donkey Kong. So basically, it's an alien invasion movie. It's Independence Day meets classic arcade games. The aliens take the form of these Pac-Man and the ghosts attacking cities and Donkey Kong and Centipede flying down attacking things. It's just a ridiculously 
stupid love letter to the 80s gaming and slash sci-fi brilliant bit of fun blockbuster it was a massive turkey it was an absolute flop it was made for something ridiculous like 200 yeah 244.9 million so 250 million it made this is the thing that makes me laugh when you look at the stats between 88 million and 129 million so between those two so basically it lost a shed load of cash and obviously Sandler was no longer allowed to release a cinema film but for me you know it's a love letter to the 80s arcade machines I grew up with Atari you know it, it's a, such a lot of fun it's just it's kind of like Ghostbusters meets video games. So I'm going to put it in here and I'm going to back this film. If you've not seen it and you've heard the bad press, but you like Adam Sandler because that's an acquired taste. That's important. If you don't like Adam Sandler, don't watch this film. If you like Adam Sandler, you'll really will get a lot out of this. End of lesson. You wouldn't get me to sit through that film again if you paid me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all. Can't win them all. No. So we've talked about films that a lot of them destroyed our childhoods. So what we're going to talk about now is video games that we would like to see turn into films. So Reese is going to start us off with this one. Basically, there is a game franchise that I would love to see be made into a film, but I think it should be done a certain way. And I think it should take a leap from when they did the Black Ops kind of aspect of the games which is call of duty i think it lends itself to doing a multi-historical time story so i think this should uh, show you a story that doesn't have to be time travel that would be ridiculously crap i'm saying literally start start <laughs> courses of events that start in world war ii or world war one and make your way to modern warfare where the story continues and even have a bit of time in the 80s and the 90s which is what black ops was set in i think yeah it'd be great absolutely great have loads of characters from the game i mean oh come on a bit of ghost action yes please Considering the quality of video game movies, there may well be time travel involved in this film. Please, no. And nothing from Advanced <laughs> Warfare where people are jumping around l like Mario Bros. I'm kind of cheating with this in the sense that there has been a film made of this franchise anyway, and I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Silent Hill 2. If you were going to make a film of that franchise... Why the hell didn't they just go and make the second one? It's the best. It's the best of the lot. It's got an amazing storyline, and it's the only video game I played. Played actually no two, two video games ever in my life that have made me cry when I finished it. And yes, yeah, Silent Hill Two was one of them. Absolutely bore my eyes out at the end of that game. Brilliant plot line. Why? Why the hell? Nobody has made that into a film rather than what we ended up with in 2006. I will never know. The franchise that I would like to see made into a movie has been mooted that there will be a film version of it. This has been going on for years. Gore Verbinski was involved at one point, which is Bioshock. Oh, I'd love to see that made into a film. The issue with the issue with having it with it being made into a film, I think kind of visually stunning, plot-wise, fantastic for those who haven't played it. It's about a society 
which has gone completely rotten and insane. No gods, no gods or kings, only men. But the entire thing has just gone to shit. And this guy kind of crashes into the sea, finds this world, this is utopia that's been poisoned. Visually, absolutely stunning. You've got the, the big daddies, the big metal monsters, and you've got the wafy little little sisters. And I think in the right hands, it would be superb on screen. The issue I have, one of the things that Bioshock is best known for is being a moral choice game and the choices that you make through it depend will inform the ending now there are essentially there are three endings there's the good ending there's the very bad ending and then there's the ending that's depending on how much you've done through the game it's kind of increasingly kind of negative See, the problem with that is as you play, you make the decision, do you harvest the little sisters? Do you save them? And that obviously feeds into the end. That would be the issue is you'd have to make a decision that, or the screenwriter would have to make a decision very early on. We're going for the X ending and that's that. Go Clue, just go the same as Clue and show all three endings. That's that's the way. <laughs> uh, but no, Bioshock, I think... I think if they could figure out a way to do it justice, it would be a brilliant film. What we've got coming up next, we are going to do a an exploration of the bottom 100 films as voted for by IMDb users. We are each going to pick a film from this that we have not seen. But one thing we are also going to do is we are going to pick a film between the three of us and we're going to watch that as well. So we'll each be reporting on an individual film, and then the three of us will also be talking about whichever cinematic abomination we choose to watch. So until then, keep safe, and see you soon.